Welcome to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast hosted by Becky Dameron. Becky was saved at a young age and reared in a Christian home. At an early age, she sought for a special relationship, Jesus Christ. As her love for Jesus grew, so did her love for His Word. Becky has enjoyed leading ladies' Bible studies, speaking at ladies' conferences, and sharing the gospel with anyone willing to listen. We hope you have your Bible and are ready to dive into studying God's amazing book. If you recall, when we were going through Genesis 16, verse 12 said, And he will be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. This was God talking about Ishmael. We are at that point right now where this is starting to come to pass. In Genesis 21, 21, where we're going to pick up today, it says, And he dwelt in the land of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. So this area, like I was saying, if, if you can picture it, the only way I can picture it best is Saudi Arabia. We would, it would be the Arabian Peninsula, that area. Well, that's right in the presence of his brethren. Who are his brethren? The Israelites. They're right there. That's where it's right next to it. Another thing to, to think about is who, where was his mother from? I'm sorry, I should have said where, not who. His mother was from Egypt. It says right here, she took him a wife out of Egypt. Well, that's his brethren also. So he's right in between Egypt and Israel, and this is the area that he settled. So Paran is Arabia. Now, normally a uh, father would find a wife for his son. But now he doesn't have a father. It's He's being raised by his mother. So his mom just starts looking out for things and, and starts filling in the role that she has to now. And so it's saying that she took him a wife. So she goes and... The only place she knows to go is Egypt, and she goes down there, and she gets him a wife from Egypt. So he's, his descendants are going to be part Egyptian, part not Israelite, but part from Abraham. So Israel, remember, is uh, Jacob's other name. So there's no relation there, but there is a relation with the father, with Abraham. So this here, we're going to go away from Ishmael for a little bit. We're going to come back to him later, but that this where we're at right now ends the story of Ishmael for a while. We come back into verse 22, and it says, and it came to pass at that time. This idea at that time is around that time. So a lot, of, a lot has transpired. It's not saying at that time after Ishmael was married. No, they t- the Bible's telling a whole story about Ishmael. It finishes up Ishmael and his story there a little bit. We're, like I say, we'll come back to him a little bit later. But finish that up, and then it goes back to at this time. The whole idea of at that time is way back when Isaac is born. Remember, the chapter starts with, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, and she conceived and bare a son. So that story starts there. It explains Ishmael going, and then as we come to verse 22, it's saying, and it came to pass at that time. This is around the same time. I know I'm belaboring that point, but sometimes we think that, okay, 
after this has to be 20 years later. No, that's not the case here. So it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. So before we move on, remember I was saying, we have to keep in mind, this is where Isaac was born when Abraham is living in the area where Abimelech is the the, uh, king. His chief captain of the host, that just means like his general of the army comes and they know, they can see very clearly, God is with Abraham. And remember, this was promised to Abraham years ago that everybody was going to be blessed in him, like everybody around him was going to know that he was blessed and and that, you know, I I don't want to read the whole chapter, but um, earlier, God established a covenant and said, I'm going to bless you and everybody around you. And this is what these two are seeing. And, and they're coming and they're saying, okay, we can see God's blessing on you. And now here's what they're going to lead up to. In verse 23, it says, Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's sons, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. So Abimelech's saying, okay, God's bless you. And it's very clear God's blessing you. And he knows he's going to be a great nation. He's saying, I want you to promise me that as I have dealt right with you, you will deal right with me. You're not going to trick me or do something wrong because I have been good to you. And Abraham, he says, yes, I'll do this. But it's, it's pretty interesting because Abraham says, yes, I'm going to do this. But he brings up something at this time. He brings up a problem. And, you know, this this happens sometimes. People are like, I know everything's right. Everything's good between us. And you're like, no, nah, it really hasn't been. So Abraham's saying, yes, I'll swear. But let me tell you, it's not all been good. Because here in verse 25, it says, And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. So right now, Abraham's saying, yes, I will swear to that, that my son and my son's son, you know, there we, we're not, we're going to remember the kindness that you dealt towards us. And I promise that. But do you know, I'm, I built a well and your servants took, took, took it away or dug a well, I should say, not built. But he, he, Abimelech says, I didn't know that this happened. He says in verse 26, I want not who has done this thing. Neither didst thou tell thee, neither yet heard I of it, but today. So Abimelech's saying, I knew nothing about this. And it's so good that Abraham said something because Abraham was very bothered. I'm sure the well took a very long time to dig. You know, wells weren't so easy to come by. You have to find the water and you don't know how deep you got to dig. So I'm sure Abraham's servants had took a lot of time and dug this well. And it says here that Abimelech's servants violently took it away. It wasn't a just, oh, that's ours. No, this was a, this was a problem. So Abraham's obviously been bothered by this for a little bit. But when Abimelech comes and he, Abraham addresses it to him, Bimlik says, I'm sorry, I knew nothing about that. And I can't encourage you ladies enough. Whenever there's a problem, say something. Now, don't go accusing. Just say what happened to somebody. 
Because if Abraham would have come accusing and would have said, no, I'm not going to swear by anything because you've been a jerk. Abraham would have looked really bad. He would have been, he would look like pretty small when Abimelech says, I I don't know what you're talking about. I was coming for a a good thing, you know, but it, it was good of Abraham to come thinking the best and saying, hey, just so you know, I know he didn't say it that way, but he does reprove him. He's saying, they violently took away my well. He gets to the root of it. Abimelech had no idea that his servants did that. And I believe Abimelech's lying or else the Bible, I'm sorry, not lying because I think the Bible would tell us if he was lying. And I don't believe Abimelech was lying. He really didn't know. And I can't encourage you enough When there's a problem, go to the person and talk it through. So much has helped when we would just talk it through. Now, sometimes you go and you try and talk it through and there's no getting past anything. I've had had situations like that where you're really trying to make things right and the other person doesn't want to make it right. But if if they want to make it right, talking it through just helps so much. And here, Abimelech's like, okay, this is, this, I agree that should not have happened so in verse 27 it says and abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto abimelech and both of them made a covenant so here abraham's saying okay you're you were right in this this was not uh something that you caused let me give you a gift here he takes sheep and oxen and he gives them to, to abimelech and wow everything's cleared up when we ha- go through situations like that and things are cleared up, it, it's actually, I'm not saying this is a Bible principle, but it's good to give each other something just to show that you love each other and that everything is fine and it's not a problem. You, it just shows that, hey, we're all good here. And then both of them made a covenant. So they both said, we're not going to go after each other. Now, later in life, there's, there's going to be a problem. When I say later in life, not in Abraham's time, but later there does become a problem because we're going to see where he's at. But it says that Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, what mean these seven ewe lambs, which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, for these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because they swear, both of them. So this is not just a gift. Abraham's giving Abimelech a gift. We know, you know, we, he, he gave him a gift of the sheep and oxen, but then he takes seven. Remember, that's the number of perfection, the idea. This is complete. I'm giving you seven of these special lambs. And he's saying, I'm giving these to you to show you I dig this well. This is my well. So he's clearing the air to make sure nothing's in between their relationship at all anymore. Because Abimelech's like, why are you giving these lambs to me? And Abraham says, I want proof. I want you to know I dug this well. And so every time Abimelech sees those lambs, he's like, yep, that's his well. Yep. Yep, I know, that's as well. (laughs) That's simplified, but that's kind of what happened there. So then that's when we come to verse 31, wherefore he called that place Beersheba. And this is called the well of seven or the oath of seven. So they swear, they, when I say they swear, they didn't curse. They're not cursing. They're making a promise. 
and it was sealed with seven lambs. So that's what Beersheba means. It's saying an oath or a swearing or a covenant of seven, Sheba seven. I'm not a Hebrew expert. I'm just reading what everybody tells me. That's what that means. So again, remember that this is being written by Moses. God is instructing Moses to write all this down. And it's been passed down orally, but God is given these exact things for Moses to write. So here is where Beersheba is actually named. So when uh, Hagar is wandering in the land of Beersheba, and it's saying that she's wandering in that area, now it's going to be named that. So that's why some people believe, okay, was this while Isaac was still not weaned? Was it after that time? Anyways, it was named around that time, but it had been known by Beersheba for many years by Moses and everybody else. So then in verse 32, it says, Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up and, and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. So this is the first time Philistine, the word Philistine, is used. This word Philistines, like... Uh, could be called a Palestinian. That would be the same idea of a word. Philistine and Palestinian is this is the same. So they this is the that first mention. That's why you're gonna hear Philistine a lot later on. We're gonna hear a lot about the Philistines. And in verse 33 it says, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. So this idea of planting a grove, uh, later God says, I don't want any groves planted. And and this is not, uh, Abraham could have been just planting trees as far as he could have been just planting fruit trees and things like that. But it, it seems that the grove is going along with his worship God of God. And he called upon the name of God. Later, God said, I don't want any groves anymore because people had turned the groves into idol worship. It wasn't anymore that people had an area where they prayed to God. Some people have all different opinions on this grove in that he was just planting trees for shade. Some people say he was planting fruit trees. Some people say the idea of a grove is a uh, ceiling-less building. So the trees are like a temple with a, without a ceiling because you're calling up to the name of the Lord. Well, by the time the children of Israel come along later, as we move along in the story, God doesn't want those anymore because they turned into groves of idolatry where they took the trees and they carved images in them. That's not what Abraham was doing here. Here he had a place. He wanted to plant trees where he had a place where he called upon the name of the Lord. He worshiped God. And do we see what we have here? Any ladies? Uh, What do we have? We have a new name of God. When I say a new, it's the first mention of this name. Called upon the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. This is the first time this name is mentioned, everlasting God. We know in the beginning, God, he just, it's just God, God, there he's everlasting but this is the first time he's called that by man as far as God Abraham said he called upon the name of the Lord the everlasting God 
that's the God we serve. We don't serve a God who started with Buddha. We don't serve a God who was invented by the Hindu religion. We don't serve a God that was created by Muhammad. We don't serve any other God but the everlasting God, the God who has always been. You cannot imagine the word everlasting. No human can imagine that word because we are finite beings. There's always an end to things. So we might think, oh, here to the ends of the earth is everlasting. No, no, no. Everlasting is without time. That's our God. Oh, Lord, I praise you that you are the everlasting God. You are forever. You have been forever and you will be forever. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for me so I have the privilege to come boldly to your throne of grace. Give me grace today as I try to serve you. Thank you for listening to Come Magnify the Lord With Me podcast. Please join Becky Dameron each weekday for a study through the Bible from a woman's perspective. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have any questions, please reach out to Becky through Come Magnify the Lord With Me Facebook page. Until next time, God be with you and may he greatly bless you as you continue to grow through following his word.